Well, turning your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 1, we're continuing, of course, our study of Paul's letter to his younger friend and his fellow worker, Timothy. Paul writes, to, of course, to instruct and encourage not only Timothy personally, but also to the local church at Ephesus. There's a lot from this letter that we can apply in our lives. We see some encouragement, we see some instructions to Timothy, and then at the same time, some instructions to our church about leadership and false teachers and relationships, all those things. As we look this morning, we continue seeing Paul's background, and we get a key statement. Why did Christ save Paul? Wow, he tells us why. We also see one of the greatest statements in the whole Bible, and that is, why did Jesus Christ come into this world? Bottom line, it was to save people. So we'll see that as we go through the passage this morning. These statements also, he ends it by giving us praise to our great God and Savior. So the goal is to be encouraged and to be challenged from the study of the Word of God this morning. Well, the truth is this. We have the greatest message of all time. It's called the gospel. It's called the good news message. Jesus Christ came to the earth, died on the cross, and rose again. He died on the cross to pay for sin. He rose again to conquer death. And he gives eternal life to all who believe. It's that simple. That is the message. He died and rose again. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Sometimes there's confusion when it comes to these great truths. And oftentimes people raise this question. Why did Jesus Christ come into this world? Was he to be an example? Was he to show us how to, the way to God? Did he come to be a great teacher? Why did Jesus Christ come into this world? We know the story of the birth of Christ in which he left the glories of heaven and became a human being. John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Why would Jesus become a person? There's a study that I teach on Wednesday nights at our Bible Institute. It's called the 2-2 study. We say this. We say the story of the Bible is the perfect God brings sinful man back to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. So why did Jesus come? Paul, in our passage this morning, makes it very clear, and that is this, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, to bring salvation to mankind. That's how he says it. It is truth that all of us in this room have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. We've all done wrong. We all owe God death. Jesus Christ came to save each one of us in this room. He came to be our Savior. Well, this morning as we continue, we're going to look at Paul's background. He's going to give the purpose about Christ coming, but he's also going to tell why Jesus Christ saved him, and then he ends it all by giving praise to God. So there's a lot of things there. There's so much in this passage. Let's begin. When you think about uh, the book of First Timothy, or actually when you think about anything in the Bible, just th- even three or four verses, which what we're looking at this morning, just three verses, there is so much there. And so we're going to see a lot of things this morning, even in verses 15, 16, and 17. And the goal, of course, is to know it and make application. And let me give you the background. What we've been doing is Paul, in his last part, he's been talking about himself. He's been talking about his background. Paul said he was a bad man. He persecuted the church. He persecuted the believers. He went after them. He wanted to kill them. But God, in his mercy and his grace, saved Paul. I want you to look at something. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 1. Look at the very end of verse 13 um, where he said, Yet I was shown mercy. That's a key word that stands out. Look at the very uh, first part of verse 14. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant. Two words stand out, mercy and grace. That's how God dealt with Paul. That's how God deals with us. God shows mercy to us. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. We deserve to be separated from God, but God shows mercy to us and gives us eternal life. And then the word grace is so important because grace is getting what we do not deserve. The Bible tells us in Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy that He saves us. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, for by grace we have been 
saved through faith. So it's the mercy and the grace of God that saves us. Paul says, I had the mercy of God and the grace of God. Well, this morning, as we go through the passage, verses 15, 16, and 17, we're going to see a number of statements. Let me break down the passage for you as you can see it. First of all, in verse 15, we're going to see the reason Christ came into the world. It is to save sinners. That's verse 15. Then in verse 16, Paul says, why, why God saved him. He says, why God saved Paul. And we're going to see that it was to be an example for us. And we'll talk about it in just a second. That's verse 16. And in the end of the passage, Paul gives praise to God. That's verse 17. So we'll see how it fits. Now let's begin with verse 15, which is the reason Christ came into the world, and that is to save sinners. That's how he puts it. Uh, you know, we saw this. We ended with this last week. And so we just want to touch on it again. We, and we just didn't get into very much detail on it last week, so I want you to see more to it. The real question is, why would God send his son into the world? There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of misinformation. If you ask people, you say, why do you think Jesus Christ came? Some people say things like, he came to be a great teacher. He came to be an example. He came to show us things. Well, there's two things I want you to think about. First of all, who is Jesus Christ and why did he come? That's really the things I want you to think about. First of all, who is Christ? Well, Jesus is the Son of God. I want you to look back at verse 12 where it says at the very start of the verse, it says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, that's really uh, kind of the title there, Christ Jesus our Lord. And there's three things that stand out there. We see Christ, Jesus, and Lord. Christ is the word Messiah. It means the anointed one of God. It means the one that God set apart. The name Jesus itself literally means Savior. That's what his name means. And the word Lord not only has the idea of sovereign ruler, but it means deity. So when you look at Jesus Christ, you say Jesus is the Savior who is the anointed one of God, who is God himself. He is the sovereign God of all time. Now, the second second question is, why did Jesus Christ come? Why did he come into this world? And we see this verse, I think verse 15, is one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. It's a verse that if somebody just had questions about salvation, you just say, listen, look at this verse right here, 1 Timothy chapter 1, look at verse 15. You can show them this verse because it tells us why Jesus Christ came. Look at verse 15. It says, it is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom, Paul is writing this, among whom, Paul says, I'm foremost of all. He says, I'm the top sinner of all time. That's what he says. Now, the statement is this, powerful, that God, Paul says, this is a great statement, Christ came into the world to save us. That's what it's all about. Now, notice how he starts in verse 15. It says, this is a trustworthy statement. Literally in the Greek it says, faithful is the word. Paul uses this five times in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. Those three books he says, it's a trustworthy statement or faithful is the word. He means this is something you need to listen to. This is something we can count on. This is something we can bank on. It's trustworthy. Notice what he says. It's a trustworthy statement deserving Full acceptance, meaning everyone needs to accept this is true. There shouldn't be any hesitation. This is for every person, this message. Well, what is this message? This message is about Jesus coming to the world. Notice what he says. This is a trustworthy statement, and everybody ought to accept this, that Christ Jesus came into this world, into the world, to save sinners, to save people. He gives us the great truth that Jesus came to this world system. You know that at a point in time in history, Jesus left the glories of heaven and became a human being. We know that is the Christmas story. But Jesus came and then, of course, was born in this world and grew up, became the man, and he died on the cross and paid for our sins. He says this is a trustworthy statement that everybody should accept that Christ came into the world to save us. 
John 1.14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Philippians chapter 2 talks about leaving the glories of heaven to become a human being. He humbled himself to die on the cross. What's the purpose? For this reason, he says, it is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that what? That Christ came into this world to save sinners. He came to save us. In Matthew 121, we'll talk about that in just a second. He came to deliver us from separation from God. The truth is this. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us in this room has sinned. The wages of sin is death, which means that we've all sinned, and the payment for sin is separation. Death is separation from God. We're all supposed to be separated from God, but what Jesus did is he came and died in our place. He took our place, paid for our sins, and he's provided a way that we don't have to be separated from God. So why did he come? He came to save us. Matthew 121. Says, this is where uh, the angel Gabriel told Joseph right before he was going to take, take Mary to be his wife. He said, "You shall call this child, this son, Jesus." Because he shall save his people from their sins. The name Jesus means Savior. That's what it means. So we see that. Why did he come? He came to be the Savior. He came to deliver us from separation from God. How did he do it? He died on the cross. He paid for sin. He rose again. And he gives eternal life as a gift. I'm going to talk more about that as we go through this. But eternal life is life forever with Jesus Christ. He came into this world to save us. Now, I want you to understand something. It is complete. He has done it all. He is the Savior. We are not the Savior. Sometimes people don't understand that. They'll say something like, "Yeah, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus, but you know, I have to, I have to do this and I have to do this." Listen, you are not the Savior. It is not what you do. It is not what you have done. It is not what you're going to do. It is not your faithfulness that saves you. It is Jesus Christ who saves you. He is the Savior, and He alone is the Savior. He has done it all. He has provided the way. His last words on the cross were, "It." Next to the last words on the cross, "It is." Finished. He's paid for sin. He has provided the way that you and I can have eternal life, salvation, and it's simply by faith. It is not what we do, not what we promise to do. So why did Jesus Christ come? He came to provide the way that we could be saved. He came to save you and me. First Peter chapter 3, verse 8 says, Christ died for our sins, that's us, once for all, one time for all times, the just, that's him, for the unjust, that's us, to bring us to God. Jesus Christ came to die in our place so that he could bring us to have a relationship with the living God. Jesus Christ came to save you and to save me. We should take the gift of eternal life, which is by faith. So often people miss the great truth. We're talking about this because Paul is dealing with this in this passage. We are not saved by our works, by the law, by going to church, by anything that we do. We are saved simply by faith in Jesus Christ who gives us eternal life. So Paul makes this fantastic statement at the very start and says, this is a trustworthy statement. This is something you can count on. Everybody ought to accept it that Christ Jesus came into this world. Why? To save sinners, to save people. He came to be the Savior of the world. Now, there's one other area I want, I want to put in here just so you'll understand it. When Jesus Christ came and when he died on the cross, he paid for the sins of every human being for all time. Every human being that's ever lived, every human being that is living now, and every human being that will ever live, and every sin that any person's ever done, every sin that every person's doing now, and every sin that any person will ever do, all of that was placed on Jesus Christ when he died on the cross. He paid for the sins of every human being. Hebrews 2.9 says he tasted death for every person. 
1 John 2, 2 says, He is the satisfactory payment. Notice, satisfactory payment. Not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. So I want you to understand that when Jesus came to this earth 2,000 years ago, died on the cross to pay for sin, He did not only pay for all the sins of all the people who ever came before Him and all the people who ever lived in, but for every human being who's going to ever live and every sin that's ever been done, Jesus Christ has paid the penalty. He has provided the way that every human being can have eternal life and it's simply by faith. It is not our works. It is not our goodness. It is Jesus who is the Savior. So the great statement, it's a trustworthy statement. Wow. Deserving full acceptance. Everybody ought to hold to this that Christ Jesus came into the world to save us. Now, Paul from there talks about himself because he just made this great statement and he's going to talk about this and the, and the, the big thing is why, why, why God saved Paul? And we're going to talk about the fact to be an example. We need to finish the very end of verse 15 before we get into 16, but I want you to notice what Paul says about himself at the end of verse 15. He says, Christ came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. Now, what Paul is saying is he's the number one sinner. In this room, you could say, you know, I'm, you're pretty bad. Yeah, some of you are pretty bad. We're all pretty bad. You know, let's think about it. We could say, we're bad. You, know, you don't know the things I've done. But let me tell you, no matter what, at the worst, you're number two on the all-time list. Because Paul's number one on the all-time list. Paul said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost. I'm the top one. No matter how bad any of us in this room could think we are. And you could say, but you don't know my thoughts. You don't know this. You don't know this. You don't know this. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. At the worst, you're going to be number two on the list. Okay? Now, here's the reason that he pointed this out. Because he's going to say that if Paul is the top sinner of all time, and the worst you can be is number two, and if God saved Paul, he can save you. Because there's some people that say, but you just don't know how bad I am. All that I've done doesn't matter. Anyone could say, look, I'm so bad, you don't know what I've done. Well, here's the great truth. If Jesus can save Paul, he can save anyone. Because Paul says, I'm top on the list. Paul says that one of the reasons that Jesus Christ saved him was that he could be an example to all the other people that if he could be saved, being the top one on the list then everyone else can have eternal life. Notice what he says, verse 16. For this reason I found mercy, so that in me as foremost Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now he says, for this reason... Jesus Christ saved me. I'm gonna, I'm the example. Now, notice how he starts off. For this reason I found mercy. That's a key word. Remember, mercy is getting, is, is not getting what you deserve. We, Paul says he deserved to be separated from God. Every one of us in this room deserved to be separated from God, but we don't get what we deserve because we get the mercy of God. Paul says, listen, I, by the mercy of God, I am an example of God's patience. Notice what he says. For this reason I found mercy, so that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience. He's going to demonstrate his perfect patience. What God could do with any human being anytime he wants to, he could put us to death and separate us from him anytime. Because he's a just, righteous God and we've all sinned. But God, Paul is saying God showed mercy and he showed patience and he showed all of that to Paul because instead of sending Paul away, he actually saved 
Paul. That's what he's saying. And he's saying he is the perfect example. As the worst person who ever was, as Paul says, God showed his grace. And if he shows his grace and mercy and patience to Paul, he can show that to any human being. Paul's the example. So every one of us in this room, if you said, well, you know, I look, I look at my life, I look at my thoughts, and I've done some things wrong. In fact, I've done a lot of things wrong. In fact, I wouldn't want anybody, all of us in this room would say, we would not want our thoughts put up there. Is that correct? You may want our thoughts put up there. Our thoughts are pretty bad, aren't they? You could say, you just don't know how bad I really am on the inside. No matter how bad you really are, you're number two on the list. And if you're number two on the list and God saved number one on the list, Paul, he can save everybody on down. That's his point. Paul wants us to know that he's an example. A guy by the name of Ostetter said this. He said, Paul stands before the eyes of all generations as a witness of God's grace, mercy, love, and power. It has been said that the worst of sinners, Paul, became the best of the saints. Kenneth Hughes, he's the pastor of uh, College Church in Wheaton, he said this, If God could save the man who persecuted the church, that's Paul, there's hope for every person. How bad do you think you are? I've had people say to me, I just don't think God would ever save me because of all the things I've done in the past. I said, it doesn't matter the things you've done in the past. You're not the worst sinner. God's already saved the worst sinner. So that means he can save you as well. Dwayne Lifton, one of my professors at Dallas Seminary, I was there years ago. He said, Paul represents the extreme example the worst sinner can be saved. Now, look at this. This is what's so great about this verse. He says, for this reason, I found mercy. So that in me, as the foremost, as the worst sinner of all, Jesus Christ might demonstrate, he might show his perfect patience as an example. He's using Paul as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Paul is the example of how a person could be saved. We believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. That's the key. We believe. I don't know if I have a slide up there for that or not, but we believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. We trust in Him. We come to the Savior who gives us eternal life. Now let me tell you, we do not believe in Jesus Christ for a good life. We believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. Notice what he says here. Those who believe in Him. You've heard me say this so many times, and sometimes people get tired of it, but there's over 150 places in the New Testament that says we are saved simply by faith. There are 98 places in the Gospel of John, just the Gospel of John, that says we are saved simply by faith. The reason that we say that over and over is I want you to understand that our salvation is not based on our works, our goodness, anything that we do. It is simply based on our faith in Jesus Christ to give us eternal life. We're trusting in Him and Him alone. When we talk about this, when we talk about salvation, that question always comes up. What must a person do to be saved? We believe in Christ for eternal life. We trust in Him to give us life forever. The Bible is very clear. The most famous verse in the Bible is God so loved the world. That's us. That He gave His Son. Gave Him to what? Die on the cross, pay for sin, and rise again. That whosoever, any person, would believe in Him. It's not works, righteousness, or goodness, but whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have what? everlasting life. Now, I want you to think about something. You believe in Christ to give you eternal life. 
Now, there's some people, and they get confused, and they'll say, you want to believe in Jesus because he'll do this and he'll do this. I remember it's been about 15 years ago, we brought in an evangelist into this town to give some what we thought was going to be the gospel presentation for a lot of people. It was not. It was a very unclear message. But on a Thursday night, we called it college night, and we invited college students from all over to come to this thing. This was not at Countryside. This was at Gallagher Ibe Arena. We brought in a bunch of churches came together. We brought this guy in, and that night that guy said to the college students, Jesus came to get you through college. I want you to understand, Jesus didn't come to get you through college. He came to give you eternal life. Now, he'll get you through college. He'll get you through everything. But he did not come to get you through college. He did not come to get you a good job. He did not come to help you and your family. He came to give you eternal life. That's what he came for. Now, he'll do all those other things. But the message that we proclaim is not Jesus came to give you a good life. Jesus came to give you eternal life. And you trust in him for eternal life. Let me explain something to you. Every human being is going to live forever. Jesus Christ died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again. He has conquered death. Every human being will exist forever. Some people will exist forever separated from God because they did not believe in Jesus Christ. That is called the second death. And the place they're separated is the lake of fire. We call it hell. The Bible calls it lake of fire. It's called the second death. All those who believe in Jesus Christ will exist forever with Jesus Christ. And that is called eternal life. You are trusting in Jesus Christ for eternal life so you won't be separated so that you won't have and experience what's called the second death you will experience what is called eternal life you are trusting Jesus to give you eternal life there's confusion because people say things like make him Lord of your life turn from your sin do good works get baptized live a good life none of that has any part in it you are saved because you believe that Jesus Christ gives you eternal life. You believe that he died on the cross for you and paid for your sins. And he offers to you a gift, the gift of eternal life. It is that simple. That's what the scripture says. You will find that a lot of people add things to it, make it confusing, and then people don't know what to believe. We believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. Notice what it says. For this reason I found mercy so that in me foremost as Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would do what? Who would believe in him for eternal life. Paul makes this powerful statement. He is the worst sinner. God saved him as an example so that other people could be saved in the same way. All who believe in him for eternal life will have eternal life. Think about this. If God was gracious and patient to save Paul, then he can give eternal life to anyone who believes. This is a great message. Here's what I hope. I I know most of you. As I look at the faces, I know most of you. Some of you I know really personally. Some of you I don't. I hope every one of you in this room that you have eternal life. That you understood that Jesus died for you or that you can even understand right now that Jesus died for you on the cross, paid for your sins and rose again and he's offering a gift to you. It is not based on your commitment to him. It is not based on the fact you're going to be faithful. It is based on the fact that he is offering the gift of eternal life that you get to be with him for all eternity. It begins the moment you believe. John 5:24. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has, present tense, has eternal life. You get eternal life the moment you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. His offer to you is not a good life. Not a great life, not a successful life, not a rich life. You may have every bit of that. But his offer to you is eternal life forever with him. That's the offer. 
I hope every one of you in this room, if somebody came to you and said, do you think you're going to go to heaven? Do you think you're going to get to be with Jesus? And you'd say, yes, I have eternal life because I have put my faith in Jesus Christ as my Savior. He gives to me or he has given to me eternal life. We are all sinners. We need a Savior. Eternal life comes simply by faith. So what have we seen? We've seen that Paul said that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. That's us. He said that the worst of sinners, that's him, was saved. And everybody else could be the same way, anybody who believes in him for eternal life. Since Paul's the worst sinner, everybody else is on the list somewhere. But we're underneath Paul. And if Paul can be saved, we can be saved. From this, Paul just burst into praise. I want you to look at verse 17 where he says, Paul gives praise to God based on all of this. When he realizes this, he says, Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. That's what we ought to do. The moment you when, you, when you recognize that by the grace and mercy of God, he has offered to you and given to you eternal life, and you have trusted in him, not by your works or goodness or faithfulness or anything, but he's given you the gift of eternal life, we ought to burst into praise and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for everything you've done. You've given me life forever, not based on anything I do promise to do or ever do, but as a gift Offered to me. That's what it's all about. In this passage, we've already talked about the love and the mercy and the grace of God. But in this little part, he talks about several things. He talks about that he's eternal, that he's immortal, that he's invisible, that he's the only God. Let's think about that for just a second. First of all, he's called the king eternal. Notice, now to the king eternal. You know, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and he will rule forever. Do you know where he is right now? He died on the cross, paid for sin, rose again, walked on the earth 40 days, ascended into heaven, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. One of these days, he's going to come back to this earth. It's called the second coming of Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 20, verse 19, the heavens open, Jesus comes. He comes back to the earth, and he goes to Jerusalem, and he sets up his earthly kingdom as the king of kings and the Lord of of lords and he will rule for a thousand years and then at the end of that he will make a new heavens and a new earth and he will rule for all eternity as the eternal king and so we realize that jesus christ indeed is the eternal king and that's why paul calls him now to the king eternal he is the king of kings the lord of lords and he will rule in righteousness and justice for all time second he's called immortal Immortal literally means to not decay. It means last forever. Not only is Jesus Christ immortal in the sense that he won't ever die or anything, but he's always existed. From Psalm 90 verse 2, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. He's always existed. He's immortal in that sense. The third thing, he's called invisible. Invisible. God doesn't have a body. God the Father doesn't have a body. I want you to understand it. John 4, 24. God is a spirit, spirit being. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God the Father does not have a body. He's a spirit being. God the Holy Spirit does not have a body. He's a spirit being. Jesus Christ from all eternity was a spirit being until he left the glories of heaven and became a human being. And Jesus died on the cross, paid for sin, rose again, human body, sinned into heaven, still has a human body, will always have a human body. But God the Father, which he's mentioning here, is a spirit being. That's why he calls him invisible. I don't know whether we will see the Father and the Spirit unless they make some manifestation for us. We will see Jesus because he has a human body. We can see him. I don't know if we'll ever see the Father and the Spirit unless there's some kind of manifestation because he's a spirit being. And then look at the last thing. The only God. There's only one God. There are not a lot of gods. There's only one God. 
Now, what human beings have done is they've, they've taken statues and the creation, and they've worshipped that as God, but there's only one God. Everything else is just create part of the creation that God created. There's only one God, and there's only one mediator between God and man. We'll see that this later on in Timothy, and that is Jesus Christ. He is the mediator between God and man, because Jesus is both God and man. It's perfect. Wow. Notice what he says. To the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, he gets the honor and the glory forever and ever Amen. We need to praise God for who He is and what He's done. He gets all the honor, all the glory. He saves us. He has provided everything. All of these truths that Paul has written about, he burst out into to, to praise to God and says, Be glory, honor forever and ever. Amen. To the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, only God, honor and glory. What have we seen? Jesus Christ said, Paul said that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. He came to save mankind. Paul said, I'm the number one sinner, and he saved me, and he uses me an example to say, if I could be saved, everybody could be saved. And then he breaks into praise and says, honor and glory to God forever and ever. Let me give you some applications. We'll go very quickly. First one is understand that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Understand the reason he came was to save us. He came in this world to be the final sacrifice for sin forever. He came to die in our place so that we don't have to be separated from God. He came to die on the cross, pay for sin, and rise again, paying for sin. Luke says he came to seek and save the lost. We're the lost ones. Jesus Christ came to save all people. What is the response? It is to believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life you're trusting in him to give you life forever with him that's the key understand why he came number two is realize that paul is an example from god showing that all can be saved if paul who is the number one sinner can be saved then anybody else can be saved how it is by faith it is the grace and mercy of god in which he saves us by faith alone in christ alone it is that simple that's all there is to it I know that it's confusing because people have added so many things. But if you just go to the Bible, take this challenge, go to the Gospel of John and read those chapters, the Gospel of John. Read it this week. The 20-something chapters, 21 chapters, you read it. 98 times you will find it says you're saved by faith in Jesus Christ for eternal life. When you get through reading that book, you can say, I believe that's about what it says. Faith in Christ for eternal life. That's it. It's not a bunch of other junk. That's what it is. Don't add to it. Don't change it. The third thing is praise God for who He is. He is the eternal King. He is the one and only God. He is immortal. He's invisible. He gets all the honor and all the glory for what He has done. May we give praise to our Savior Jesus Christ who came to save us, giving us eternal life as a gift by faith. He indeed is the eternal God and King. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you for all the things that are in this passage. Lord, we just, we, first of all, we just want to give you all the praise and honor and the glory because, because you sent Jesus to die for us. He came to be our sacrifice. He is the eternal God. He came and died and rose again, giving us eternal life by faith. Thank you, Lord, that Paul is the greatest example, that he is the number one sinner, and that means if he can be saved, any other human being can be saved, and it's always the same way, simply by faith in Christ. Lord, would you use us in this room? That as we go out in this community, that we will tell people the good news message that Jesus died and rose again. And all who believe in him receive the gift of eternal life by faith. Thank you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name.
Amen.